Hey guys, I'm Valerie. And I'm Jasmine, and this is Crafts, Drafts, and Crap. Welcome back to part two of Josh Powell, and stay tuned for the end of the episode where we tell you what season five is going to be. So we're going to jump right into it. Jasmine, go ahead. Yes. Okay. So last time we left off with Josh and the kids going camping overnight um, during a snowstorm, by the way, and Susan is missing. So um, Josh, you know, he just disappeared in a rental car and drove over 800 miles in two days. Which is insane. That's an insane amount of miles. It is. Like, I can't, like, I think the most I've driven in a day is maybe like 100, 100 miles, maybe. And that's just because I was young. I was just driving everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually driven over a thousand miles in one day. But, like, what is he doing? Like, that's my question. Just what the hell is he doing? And nobody knows. Right. Sketch AF. Yeah. For sure. So during this time, police are obviously searching for Susan. And they drive the Pony Express Trail to try to find where Josh may have camped. But because of fresh snowfall, they can't determine a specific spot. And Josh, of course, is not helpful. He won't tell them anything about where they were. Um, But they did, however, find the sheep herder that Josh had mentioned in his interview with the police. And he confirmed with that herder that there were people in a vehicle matching the description in the area the night that Josh claimed to be there. Additionally, police get a tip in the morning um, that Susan was noticed to be missing, that a vehicle matching their description was at a pond near the trail. So they searched the pond, but they didn't find anything. Um, yeah, that, uh, I don't know. That's, that's crazy. Yep. (laughs) It's just, it's just, it's like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I'm trying to like put myself there in like my frame of thought. Like imagine seeing this random car and you're thinking nothing of it by like a lake or something. And then like, a while later, like, cops come in, ask you about that fucking car, and you're like, fuck, I could have done something. Right. Or even, you know, people, and actually, we'll be talking about this later on in the episode, like, but people who come forward with information, a lot of times it happens, like, too too late. And, I mean, it's, it's still, it's never too late, because, you know, even if you think that it can't be relevant, it might, you know, help solve a piece of the puzzle, but... It's just, you know, it's too bad with, like, things like this. Like, the person didn't... I mean, because, like, why would you be copying down people's license plates? <laughs> For no reason, exactly. you know what I mean? But, like, there's nothing suspicious about, like, pulling over by the side of a lake. No, nothing at all. Um, and then, did they drive a minivan? Yes. I'm sorry, I just don't think minivans are scared, like, suspicious looking. Um, so, I don't know. No, I agree. Yeah, no. So, um, so anyways, uh, Steve, Josh's dad, um, he suggested to the police that maybe Susan ran away with someone who went missing in Nevada around the same time. Uh, his name was actually Stephen um, Kocher, I believe that's how they said it. Um, police actually looked into this, but the two had literally no ties and had never made contact. That right there was so random to me. Um, yep. That, that he would just... <laughs> randomly put this missing guy and her together like what the fuck that doesn't even make any sense right it doesn't make sense at all and um i haven't really looked that much into steven kocher's case there's a lot of information and i didn't take the time to do it yet but um yeah steve is literally like oh hey well maybe she ran away with this guy it's like where where did you pull that from 
He's just another guy who went missing, not even, like, the same morning. Like, just around the same time. Yeah, and that's how you can tell, like, they're, like, like mentally, they've got issues. Just because, like, you're, like, trying to make her look bad when she's missing. That I think that's what drives me crazy. She's not there to defend herself, but you're going to sit here and insinuate that she was having an affair with this random man who went missing? Like, that's that's crazy. Right, and that can also, like, mess up the investigation in his case if they were to try to pursue that. Like, something exactly. might, he might be endangered. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, that's fucking bullshit. Anyways, so 12 days after Susan went missing, Josh tries to take out Susan's retirement money and decides to pack up the kids and go up to Washington. So in case you forgot, they live in Utah, but Steve lives in Washington and that's where they're from. So they aren't just going there for the holidays, though. Remember, this happened in December. They're relocating there. So for police, this makes Josh look even more suspicious. And Chuck, Susan's dad, said that this was the assurance he needed to know that Josh did something to Susan. And it also makes Jennifer, which remembers Josh's sister, very suspicious. Because they're like, okay, well, why the fuck would you be moving 12 days after your wife goes missing? Like, you clearly think that she's not coming back and that you're not going to be here. Exactly. And that's like one of the cases we covered like in our first season. I don't remember which one it was exactly, but um, no, it was um, Logan Tucker. Didn't like she move? Yep. Like just a short time after he went missing. Like even though Susan is an, is an adult and not a child, you'd think like if something, if she did actually disappear and then reappeared, she would want to go back to her home where she knew she was. And imagine her coming back and realizing her husband and her kids are no longer there. Right. Right. It's just super crazy. Um, But yeah, so Jennifer, which I love Jennifer. I think she's awesome. Jennifer's great. Uh, Yeah, she is. So she actually offers to police that she, um, that she would actually wear a wire and uh, go to Steve's house for a family dinner and try to talk to Josh. Um, And the police actually agree. So she went and um, Josh tells Jennifer that he isn't uh, going to answer any questions or talk about Susan without his lawyer. And, you know, Jennifer's like, dude, I'm your sister. I'm just trying to help. So she tells him that they may um, the they may be able to get him a good deal if he were to confess and lead them to Susan. But, you know, Josh, of course, he denies anything is going on. So Steve overhears and um, gets angry with Jennifer. And unfortunately, she ends up leaving without, like, an ounce of evidence against Josh, which was really sad. Um, Yeah, she was there the entire day. Right. She essentially got kicked out. And then um, was it in the documentary or I think it was in the podcast where you hear a clip of, like, her conversation with her dad and he was pissed yeah i mean steve's an asshole and you'll see more of that very shortly don't worry um but yeah he was a real fucking asshole about it so um most ironically though josh decides at this point in time that he's gonna join the church but he doesn't like find faith again in fact he basically taught the kids to run around telling people that they don't like god and that mormons are bad people But, like a lot of people, Josh decided to turn to religion for help. 
So the LDS church is known for being helpful to other members of their congregation. So when single dad Josh shows up and needs help moving into his new house, church members volunteer to help him, which is so nice. But it just further goes to show his sense of entitlement. He doesn't even help the volunteers move his belongings. He like literally lets them do all the work because he's complete garbage. Like there was um in the podcast, there was an interview of a guy who was a member of the LDS church that he went to who had helped move all his stuff in the house. And he was like, yeah, Josh was like saying that he's tired and he wasn't helping carry anything. He's like, this is your stuff. Like we don't even know you. We're just here to help because this is our faith. And like the, um, whoever's in charge of whatever they're, you know, asked for volunteers. And he's like, and this guy's just standing around. Yeah. It's, it's sad that there's people out in like the world in the universe that do shit like this. Take a, take advantage of people with like good hearts and good intentions. Right. It sucks. Um, so yeah, so, you know, the kids started attending Sunday school and of course they were acting out like crazy. Um, you know, likely because they don't, um, they don't have any parental figure like watching them at home. Cause Susan was that main um, parental figure in their life, making sure that they were good, making sure they were, um, everything was like, they were just good in general. Um, so, you know, one day at school, Charlie kept flipping the lights on and off. And, you know, the teacher told him that if he didn't stop, she would have to tell his mom and, um, and his dad. And when he was told that he responded, my mom is dead. Oh, how eerie is that? That is fucking crazy. Like, um, I don't know how teachers can, get all of this info like this like creepy shit like this and not like freak out right and she had even she did an interview with um the cold podcast and she made a comment like you know i always thought like god like what are his parents doing you know what i mean like something's wrong here and then when she found out that his mom was dead she was and she found out who josh was and who they were she was like oh this makes a lot more sense how fucked up is that it's like really fucked up and like the fact that they they had no idea who he was and they have to find out this way who he is is still like super super crazy to me because like imagine like we get somebody at work and they're brand new and you don't know anything about them but then they do something weird and you're like you know what i'm gonna look you up and then boom they're a suspect of murder or some shit like it's just crazy it is crazy And meanwhile, in Utah, police are still looking for Susan. Josh had been working in real estate for a period of time up until her disappearance. And they found two houses that were vacant under him along the Pony Express Trail. And that area was under construction. So police were like, hmm, we should probably check that out. So they found that a couple had actually moved into one of the homes. And they tell them, they tell the police about their experience. They had looked at the other house that's next door, but they couldn't even view the house fully because it smelled like literal death. They went into it and they could not even like take a look at the house. So they looked at the neighboring house and they liked it. So they went ahead and um, purchased that house. So the other house is still vacant. So police were like, okay, well, we'll bring cadaver dogs over there, but they didn't find anything. So they had the dogs search the couple's home also because they agreed but they didn't find anything. They did notice though, that the construction company had those large dumpster bins on the site. Mm -hmm. So they found the last date that it had been dumped and where it had gone. And they moved their search to that landfill. And it was there that the cadaver dogs found something. They, you know, were digging into a certain area where, you know, something very likely could have been, but it just turned out to be animal remains. Yeah, that, mm, I don't know, that, that was 
that was terrible. I couldn't imagine going through that. Um, so yeah, so you know, police were still unable to get into Josh Josh's encrypted hard drives. Um, but you know, they did know two more incriminating pieces of circumstantial evidence against him. And one of those was being that there was a letter that had been found in Susan's safe deposit box at work, uh, which was actually her will and testament. And on it, it was written not to give Josh, um, because she didn't trust Josh, uh, or not to give the letter to Josh, yeah. Um, also, a journal of hers was found at her job, too. And it said, if I die, even if it looks like an ad- accident, it probably wasn't one. So eerie. And just the fact that she's, like, keeping those at work and that Josh has no idea about them. And it's just so sad. Like, why are people in relationships? Like, how do we how do we get into that situation where we feel trapped in a relationship where we feel like our spouse might kill us? I think it just has to do with the mental um, breakdown. After a while, like, you just get used to it in a way, I'm, I'm assuming. And... You know, it's probably hard to sit there and be like, in your head, I feel like you make up situations, like, or uh, make excuses, basically. Like, okay, I'm going to leave him on this day. I'm, I'm determined. I'm going to do this. And then, like, they fuck with your head, so he could have done something really nice for her. Like, something minute to anybody else, but he could have been, he could have just went and splurged on groceries or something. Like, you know how he was. And then right. she's like, okay, well, maybe stay with him like maybe it was like a back and forth thing but the thing about this case that is so like amazing to me is just how everybody kept journals and diaries like I feel like if they didn't do this how much information would we have oh my god I don't even I mean I have no idea we wouldn't know most of this I mean yeah I I can't believe it's just crazy I know (laughs) I know, and I think that that's um, a really interesting thing, and, like, maybe I should start. (laughs) I know, right? Me too. I want to, I mean, I see, like, these, like, journals and notebooks, but I'm like, I feel like I would do it, yeah, for, like, maybe a week, and then I'd just be like, fuck it, I don't feel like writing in my journal today, and then I'd fucking forget it. (laughs) Right. No, I totally understand that. It's crazy, because they really do. They all are, like, very good about writing in their journal every single day, and fortunately, everybody's really honest in their journals, so we get pretty far (laughs) with that. Um, so Josh's brother, Michael, makes a phone call to get aerial photos of an auto and salvage shop that's in the middle of nowhere. And an intel analyst caught wind of this and informed detectives on the case. So they followed up with the shop and they told them that they got a call from a man, who's Michael, um, to see if they would buy his car that broke down. His sister, Alina, called AAA to get it towed there, even though it cost more to tow it there. Because he said he couldn't afford repairs and he knew the shop would crush it after they took the parts that they wanted. And the shop offered him $100. So the people at the shop thought it was kind of weird because usually they got like really junky cars that, you know, that people wanted just crushed and whatever you use the parts, scrap it. But this car was actually in decent shape. Like it broke down, but it was in decent shape. And so Michael accepted the offer for $100 and then he had called to get the aerial photos to see if the car had been crushed yet. So, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't either. <laughs> I had no idea that was a thing. I was like, I, whenever I was listening to it, I was like, you know, I think of like Google Earth and Google Maps where like you can like do the satellite imaging and just like look at it yourself. But I didn't know you could like call somewhere and they get you the aerial photos of wherever you want, basically. Yeah, you, there's a fee. But, like, that's really neat. 
I'm sure there's some restrictions on that, but I don't know. Yeah, probably like federal buildings or schools or some shit. Right. But still, like, that's crazy. Like, if I was stalking you, let's say, and I'd be like, I need the aerial photos to uh, your address. Like, they could give that to me. That's that's scary. <laughs> it is. Yeah, and especially in the case, like, why would you need... I mean, I'm happy that somebody caught on to this because it's just a very interesting... It's just another... Well, I'll let you tell what happens, but it's it's just another, like, dead-end lead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, after this, you know, the police go to the auto shop, and they bring a cadaver dog. So, you know, the dog goes straight to Michael's car. They stop at the trunk and signal that there had been something dead in the trunk of his car. Um, and they take the car for processing, and in it, they find human hair. But... After testing it, the hair turns out not to be Susan's, and there was actually something else in the car or in the trunk that could have um, that could be tied to Susan, uh, or there wasn't anything. Sorry, and um, yeah, I, mm, it was crazy I though because you know they let that dog loose and it just went immediately to the trunk. To, I mean, it was so promising. And also, can we just like shout out to cadaver dogs? That is the right. coolest thing in the world. But, um, and for anybody who doesn't know, basically the dogs are made to set, like detect certain scents and a lot of them are like decomposition and like bodies and stuff like that. And so they signal in a certain way, like in this case, the guy was talking about how they would sit down and like look at them a certain way mm-hmm. with their ears perked up. <laughs> yeah. Like they do come. So yeah, that signaling thing. I, that is so cool. It is cool. I would like to see a cadaver dog in like just doing their job. Basically. I just want to witness that one day. I know, right? I want to be a cadaver dog. Let's do it. When we grow up, we can be cadaver dogs. (laughs) Excellent. So Josh (laughs) decides that he's going to start playing a new narrative and make Susan's childhood seem poor enough that she would want to disappear. He does this by publicly sharing pages from her childhood journal. So this is infuriating to Susan's friends and parents. And police can't seize the journals, though, because they can't get a search warrant when they can't prove that they have journals that you know are evident like evidence of any sort so they come up with a plan they tell chuck to host a honkin wave which basically like you set up tables and banners on a busy street to attract attention and therefore bring awareness to susan's disappearance so they have a giant banner that's like a have you seen me and a picture of um susan and a phone number to call and police recommend a location which is in front of a grocery store that Steve and Josh frequent. And it works brilliantly. Steve drives up, gets out of the car, and berates Chuck. You can actually, I mean, the whole thing is filmed because there's reporters there. And you can actually watch it on YouTube. And I would recommend it just because you can, I mean, you know, we're talking about these people, but you can, like, see how the actual interaction is between them. And it's very fascinating. Like, you can see how, like shy and kind Chuck Cox is and then you can see how god awful Steve is and then Josh comes over and like he's just a mess and anyways Steve's (laughs) dumbass says on national television that he has and I quote a lot of information about the Cox family about Susan from her journals and he ends that whole It's a whole spiel, but he ends it with, quote, the journals confirm what Josh has said about her family. Yeah, this whole honking wave thing was pretty genius on the cops part because, you know, of course, they had that whole, um, what was it? What's it called? What order? What is that order called? Order. Whenever you can, whenever you can, um, be in the same within like five hundred feet of each other. Oh, restraining <laughs> that thing. 
restraint. Isn't it? Isn't that what they had a restraining order against each other? They did. Okay. Yeah. So like the cops like kind of played um, Chuck a little because Chuck didn't know, right? And um, he, but like in the interview, it's funny. He's like, because yeah, if they would have told me, I would have been all for it. I would have, I would have done it immediately. But um, but yeah, it's like I said, the whole thing with the journaling and being able to see what we're talking about is fucking bananas. It's like a movie. It is. It's but ridiculous. It, it's legit real life. Oh, I, I can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, now finally the police were able to get a warrant to search the Powell house. Thank God. Um, and you, they were expecting to find Susan's childhood journals, but they opened up a portal to literal hell. Oh my god. So Dun dun dun. <laughs> boom boom boom. Drops mic. Um, so the police find voyeuristic videos of Susan um doing everyday things like walking to her car from work, zooming in zooming in on her legs. Um they find pictures of porn stars with their heads cut off and Susan's head taped over theirs. It's like a fucking Okay. Anyways, <laughs> hold on. Can I interject real quick? Because we're gonna, yes. I'm gonna do this because this is about to get real heavy. So I'm gonna give you a little tidbit that's probably just fucking weird. But <laughs> so there was a period of time I was living with my friends Blake and Sarah, and we decided like, oh, we're gonna get really into fitness, and we're gonna, you know, we're gonna like try to do good. So we got some fitness magazines, and we cut out like, like you know, fit women, and we cut their heads off, and instead of their heads, we put like little like word bubbles. Like sticky notes and like motivational quotes where their heads would go. <laughs> and we had them all over a house. <laughs> and that's what I think of with this. This is much more terrifying than that, but that's what I think of. You got one at the fridge every time you open the door. Yeah. Think your options. <laughs> and we had one on um on like the mirror in the bathroom that was like, you know, weight doesn't define you and you know something like positive like body positive yeah. in the bathroom but it was just funny because we're like we'll motivate ourselves like the one by the door said don't forget your gym shoes <laughs> anyways yeah, they're gonna say that you guys have little cut your heads off your little um pictures like out of pictures and then put them on the bodies of the um, <laughs> the fitness models <laughs> no we didn't do that we just replaced their heads with words <laughs> But no, but seriously, like, talk about, like, a fatal attraction. Like, what the right. fuck? It's right. It's So, um, so yeah. So then they find a black bra, a red blouse, and other un- undergarments of Susan's. Um, they find baggies of used tampons. Blech. Once again, let me rewind that. Used tampons. In baggies. <laughs> in baggies. With the date on it. What the fuck? Okay. Then they find baggies of cotton balls used to take off nail polish. Why do you want that? Oh Why? God. And then hold up baggies of nail clippings. I feel like he was going to try to make a voodoo doll with the nail clippings. <laughs> It's so gross. It's so gross. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. Oh God. Pop all of that off. They find over twenty two hundred pages of obsessive journal writings about Susan 
And all of this belonged to Steve and his nasty ass. His definitely his nasty ass. And it, it gets worse. He even recorded over 50 songs under a pseudonym about his oh. love for Susan. They actually played this both on the um, podcast and on the documentary that we watched together. And it is hilarious but he has all these songs about susan and his name is steve i forget what the last name he uses on there but it's insane that gets his fucking daughter-in-law it is so eerie like when he's he, his voice is oh i almost want to tell you to post it on the instagram like a clip but i don't want a view like i don't want it to count as a view for his uh music on youtube if it is on youtube <laughs> i just crazy. i don't want to accidentally expose somebody to that yeah so like if you're interested look it up we will post the name so that if you want to look it up you can you know knock yourself out um and also if you watch any of these videos or just look up a picture of him he is a creep and it's worse when you hear his voice it's so much worse yeah, he's got the creepy old man voice. Like, if you could think of, like, a creepy old man, like, running or, like, coming up to you and just, like, rubbing your arm. Like, that's what his voice oh, sounds God. like. Oh, God. So, <laughs> I know. Josh was aware that his dad was obsessed with his wife. And that's the actual reason that the two moved to Utah. Remember how they had been living with Steve when they first got married and Susan was, like, 20? Well, Steve had professed his love to Susan. And it's actually recorded, and you can find this online. Um, they were in the car alone, and he told her, you know, that he's in love with her, basically, and that she's leading him on. And it made her incredibly uncomfortable. And, you know, he was, like, acting on all these different urges, and she never reciprocated. And he says in his journal that Susan was a player, and that she, quote, instigated my feelings for her by her little enticements. He legitimately believed that she led him on, but Susan was repulsed by Steve. She absolutely resented him. So it's probably not a surprise to hear that Jennifer had pulled away from her family in part because Steve had forced her to watch porn when she was a child and they were on an overnight trip alone. He's a fucking pervert. Absolutely. And just to add a little bit to the recording of him professing his love to Susan, he was actually trying to videotape them to see if he could catch her in any like, like compromising position, I guess, like, I mean, they're in a car, so there's not really much you could see, but like, he couldn't get the damn camera to work. So he, you know, he thought he turned it off and it just recorded everything, but he couldn't see anything. It's just literally every moment he just wanted to record of her right it's fucking sickening and the fact that josh was okay knowing that his dad was obsessed with his wife is fucking stupid i agree and like so they fucking moved to utah so that they can avoid him and for like a couple like weeks whatever josh was okay like not talking to his dad but then he started communicating again with his dad and then things started going downhill and it was a huge point of contention for them because susan was like your dad's a fucking pervert Right, and the fact that he showed his child porn, his daughter porn, when she was a child. I and think she was like eight. <sighs> yeah, yeah, but that's so, you know, Jennifer was the one who pulled away. And it makes me wonder if there was any other kind of sexual abuse of any sort in that family. Like, I don't know. Jennifer is the only one who we can confirm, but it wouldn't be surprising to me because 
Oh, God. It's fucking disgusting. Um, Yeah, no, fucking sicko. Anyway, so, you know, they also found in a journal of Steve's that he is scared that Susan is dead. And he talked with Josh about that night, and his story doesn't seem plausible. He also wrote that he hopes she ran off and is saving herself to be with him when she finds it safe to come back around. I mean, how narcissistic can you be? He no, I mean, he thought this entire time she's like, you know, refusing his advances and telling him she's not interested and that it's fucking disgusting. And he still thinks that she wants to be with him. What the fuck is the matter with you? He's fucking delusional. That's what it is. And I don't know if we mentioned it in the first episode or not. Um, but remember in the, um, it was in the podcast um, that he, so not victim blaming at all. And she, I think she, at this point, she kind of knew like he wasn't like acting like a, a quote unquote normal father-in-law. But remember when she um, had waxed her legs and she was coming to him and was like, oh, feel how soft my legs are. I just had them waxed. Yeah, I do remember that. And I wonder how true that is. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Because it was something that he had written when he called her like a player in his journal and was like, oh, she had me touch her legs because they're waxed and da 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 da. It's like, or did she say that she just got back from a waxing appointment and he touched her leg? Something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just the fact that he's super delusional. Like, even if it was something like that, it was like, in her mind, it was super innocent. Right. She meant Wait. nothing by it, I promise. <laughs> right. No, calm down, um, Steve, dumbass. Um, but yeah, no. It's fucking delusional. Um, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, so anyways, um, back to him being a pervert. <laughs> so um, I guess this could be like a trigger warning. Um, but, you know, police found voyeuristic footage of two underage young girls his former neighbors actually um they were in their bathroom and he has videos of them going to the bathroom bathing and changing their clothes so he gets arrested for child pornography um and this actually led to the kids being taken into protective custody finally right (laughs) and the, the fucking crazy part is josh didn't even try and argue with them um, you know, he tried to get them put into foster care instead of going to Susan's family. Why would you want that? That's how much he despises the Cox. Right. And it's it's insane because there's so many things that go wrong with the foster care, in, foster care in general. And you would rather put them with the possibility of them being separated instead of just, you know, letting them be with their other grandparents. Like, it's fucking crazy. So, um, but fortunately for the kids, the Coxes um, got temporary custody of the boys. And Josh was actually able to arrange, um, though, that he would be able to see them on Sundays when the Coxes were at church and the boys were not allowed to go to church. It's like the most annoying thing in the world, but whatever. The fucking is church. I know. So the plan was for Jennifer to eventually adopt them and raise them with her kids. But the Coxes decided to try and do a little renovation to make their space more suitable for two young boys. 
so the Coxes feel a little overwhelmed by taking in the boys. Because remember, their, I mean, their daughter was 28. Susan was 28 at the time that she went missing. So, you know, put them, you know, 25 to 30 years older than that. Like, they're not used to having a four-year-old around and a two-year-old around. So, but they're willing to do anything for these boys. And the boys are rowdy. And they clearly haven't been parented in a long time. And they're really aggressive towards each other. But they're both really bright and really smart children. And they make everyone in their presence happy. The Coxes just can't figure out or the Coxes just figure, excuse me, that the boys need a good influence in their life. But then they find out that there might actually be more going on. So, um... Trigger warning. Yeah, trigger warning, and it hurts my heart, just, just saying. It's just so sad. But, um, the boys try and sleep naked in bed. Um, and, you know, of course, Chuck questions them about this, you know, asking where their pajamas are. And when they tell Chuck that they normally sleep naked with daddy, <sighs> Brayden had a physical exam and um, molossum contagiosum. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, which is a skin condition that is sexually transmitted. And shortly after this, the police find cartoon incest porn on Josh's computer. He is ordered to take a psychosexual examination, which allows them to interrogate him and ask him any questions they please. So, and I just want to point out with that cartoon incest porn that they can't, like, make any kind of arrest on that because it's cartoon. Because it were, there were young children involved in it, but you can't count it as child pornography if it's animated. Which, I mean, okay, I mean, I don't know what to say. Um... But before this exam takes place, Josh is still allowed to have supervised visitation. And it quickly gets moved to his home because the public place where this usually happens was swamped with the news cameras and, you know, different reporters. And it was ruining visits for other parents and their children. So I totally agree with switching locations, but I don't know who the hell signed off on his house being the appropriate location. Yeah, no, that was fucking stupid. Yep. So Josh tried to get the boys taken away from the Coxes throughout the period of time. Um, You know, you mentioned earlier that they were, or maybe I mentioned earlier that they were getting the house remodeled and Brayden actually got a head injury and burned his foot twice in a week. So he was brought to the emergency room and Josh was like, okay, clearly they're dangerous and they're not taking care of my sons and da, 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 da. But they were determined to be legitimate accidents. The Coxes weren't trying to do anything to them. Right, and fuck you, Josh. Yeah. Because you you didn't even fight for them whenever they they told you that they were taking them away from you. So fuck you, dude. Right. Um. So you know, someone also tipped off the police about a safe deposit box that Josh had in the bank. Um. So they got a search warrant and found three and a half inch hard drives with. Um, 1.5 terabyte capacity and a blue sticky note with seven dates written on it. The box had been rented since August 2010. And um, like all their other, like all of his other hard drives and stuff, it was encrypted and they couldn't get into it. Yeah, like I have, I, I'll never understand any of that computer shit. <laughs> but, you know, Josh also signed over their trust to Michael because he thought Michael was the most trustworthy. It meant that if both him and Susan were gone, he got everything. 
he gave Michael full ownership of all of his property, which included the computers that the police had. And he also thought that Alina would be the best caretaker for the boys. Yeah, okay. Not. (laughs) (laughs) So on February 5th of 2012, Elizabeth, who's the kid's social worker, was supervising the visitation. And as she pulled into the driveway of Josh's home... Josh was standing in the doorway, waving in the kids. So the kids are jumping out of the car, and he's like, hey, I have a surprise for you. So the kids ran into the house. Well, Elizabeth got out of the car and, you know, started walking toward the door, and Josh looked her in the eye and closed the door in her face. So she's like, what the hell? So she rang the bell, and she's banging on the door, and, you know, he's not coming back. And then she heard one of the boys cry out, and she noticed that she smelled gasoline. So Elizabeth called 911, and we're actually going to play the 911 call because it's probably the most infuriating thing I've ever in my life heard. Morning. Hey, I'm on a supervised visitation for a court-ordered visit, and something really weird has happened. The kids went into the house, and the parents, the biological parent, whose name is Josh Powell, will not let me in the door. What should I do? What's the address? It's 8119, and I, I think it's 89th. Um, I, I don't know what the address is. Okay. That's pretty important for me to know. Um, sorry, I can't. Just a minute. Let me get in my car and see if I can, if I can find it. I'm, this, nothing like this has ever happened before at um, these visitations, so I'm really... Um, shocked, and I could hear one of the kids crying, but he still wouldn't let me in. Okay, it is uh, one. Oh, just a minute, I have it here. You can't find me by GPS. Okay, it is, um, oh, I still can't find it. But I think I need help right away. He, he's on a very short lease with CSHS and CPS has been involved. And this is the craziest thing. He looked right at me and closed the door. Are you there? Yes, ma'am. I'm just waiting to know where you are. Okay. It's 8119 189th Street, Court East, 2 98375. And I'd like to pull out of the driveway because I smell gasoline and he won't let me in. You want to pull out of the driveway because you smell gasoline, but he won't let I you... Smoke, he, he won't let me in. He won't let you out of the driveway? He won't let me in the house. Whose house is it? He's in the house and he won't let me in. It's a supervised visit. I understand. Whose house is it? Josh Powell. Okay, you don't live there, right? No, I don't. No, I'm contracted to the state to provide supervised visitation. I see. Okay. And and who is there to exercise their visitation? I am. Uh, and the visit is who, with Josh Powell. And who's And he is the husband that I supervise. So you supervise and you're doing the visit? Yeah, you're I supervise yourself? I supervise myself. I'm the supervisor here. Wait a minute. If it's a supervised visit, you can't supervise yourself. If you're the I visitor, do supervise myself. I'm the supervisor for the supervised visit. Okay. Well, aren't you the one making? Aren't you the one making the visit? Or is there another parent? I'm the one. Your 
Okay, so you're supposed to be there to supervise Josh Powell's visit with the children. Yes, that's correct. And how did... And he's the husband of missing Susan Powell. How did she... This is a high-profile case. How did he How did he gain access to the children before you got there? They, I was one step in back of them. Okay, so they he went into the, the house and then he locked you out. Yes, he, okay. he shut the door right in my face. All right, now it's Your last name? My name is Elizabeth Griffin Hall. Griffin Hall is hyphenated? Yes. And what's your phone number, Elizabeth? Um, this, this cell phone number is 360-990-9955. And what agency are you with? Foster Care Resource Network. And the kids have been in there by now approximately um, 10 minutes. And he knows this is children? a supervised visit. Two, Brayden is uh, five and Charlie is seven. And the dad's last name? Powell, P-O-W-E-L, L. Two L's? Two L's at the end of Powell? Yes. His first name? His first name is Josh. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, native? He's white. Date of birth? I don't know. He's about 39. How tall? 5'10", um, 150 pounds. Hair color? Brown. Did you notice what he was wearing? No, I didn't notice what he was wearing. Is he alone then, or is anybody I else? don't know. I couldn't get in the house. Are you in a vehicle now or on foot? I'm in a vehicle. I'm in a Prius, on, um, a 2010 Prius, with the doors locked. But he won't. He hasn't opened the door. I rang the doorbell and everything. I begged him to let me in. Elizabeth, please listen to my questions. What color is the Toyota Prius? Gray. Start gray. And the license number? Um, I don't know. I can look. Seven five zero ZMH. Zebra Mary Henry. Yes. All right. We'll have somebody look for you there. Okay. How long will it be? I don't know, ma'am. They have to respond to emergency, life-threatening situations first. The first available deputy. Well, this could, this could be life-threatening. He went to court on Wednesday, and he he didn't get his kids back. And this is really I'm a, I'm afraid for their lives. Okay. Has he threatened the lives of the children previously? I have no idea. All right. We'll have the first available deputy contact you. Thank you. Bye. So then there is a second 911 call.
Hi, ma'am. Were you calling about the fire in the 8200 block? Yes, on the house. Ma'am, yes, do, you know the, the okay, do you know the exact address of the house? Or yes, it's 911 operators go through on the daily basis. But fuck that guy. No, exactly. Like it, like literally just like completely wasn't listening to her. He he was spending so much time just trying to figure out what her role was in this and she's like, "Listen. <laughs> fucking send somebody here." 
Right, like I understand that, you know, they do need this information, but I might sound stupid, you know, but, you know, it's the reg with me. Um, <laughs> but can't they trace cell phones whenever they call 911? Like, isn't that the point of you not playing with 911? I thought so. And it might be that it has to be like a certain period of time. But even so, like by the time he's like, well, you really need to have the address. She's like, right. I'm not like, I'm sorry, I wasn't fucking expecting to have to fucking call you. Exactly. And uh, it's really and annoying. I feel like in the bonus episode, like I, I think I told you this before, I'm almost positive it was in the bonus um, podcast episode for Cold. It was, they said, or the, the guy, I forgot what his name is, he said that um, the 911 operator is now like some kind of coach for his um, his call station. Like, he, he now coaches other people on how to react in situations like this. That's the so most... don't do what he did, basically. That's the most ironic bullshit I've ever heard. He should have been fired. Fuck you, exactly. I mean, it's, it's still... Here's, here's the thing that I... The only thing I can say is it's still... They wouldn't have gotten there on time. Yeah, no. We haven't even completely gotten into what happened. Let's continue. I know. Uh... Well, guys, this is where I cry and wrap myself in a blanket. Also, huge trigger warning. Huge, huge trigger warning. And, um, yeah, you're definitely going to need a palate cleanser after this. Okay. So, Elizabeth got in her car because, remember, she smelled the gasoline. And she was like, worst case scenario, if something does happen, I need to back my car out. I don't want it to explode. So, she backed out of the driveway and she watched the house blow up in flames the fire was so intense that upon arrival firefighters couldn't enter the house but once inside they discovered that there were gallons i repeat gallons of gas spread throughout the house the bodies of josh Braden, and charlie were found together in a bedroom the boys had gashes in the back of their heads from a metal hatchet that Josh hit them with before lighting the house on fire. But I feel like the worst part is that their cause of death wasn't from the hatchet attack. It was from smoke inhalation. And, um, you know, Josh died from smoke inhalation as well because, of course, he's a piece of shit and he couldn't kill himself. Um, but, yeah, so... They both died from the fire. I can't even imagine getting hit in the back of the head with a hatchet by your father and then having to suffocate to death in, in the fire. Right. I think I think the worst part, I think the part that, that kills me is one of those boys, don't know which one went first, but the other one watched their dad do that to their brother. Why'd you have to fucking say that? I never even thought about that. I know that's why I told you I went into such a dark place. Like this is once again the Chris Watts thing all over for me. I my brain is in a black hole right now because it's so fucking triggering. Oh, so a few days later, Michael and Alina go to collect Josh's life insurance, but they got denied because according to the law, Susan's not dead, and therefore she has the right to come forth and claim it before they have the right to. So they tried fighting this in a lawsuit and they lost. So on February 11th, 
Michael jumped from the seventh story of a parking garage and killed himself. At this point in time, Josh's face is all over the news, which prompts a few more leads. So a man named Andrew knew of Josh from a gentleman's club and got them in contact with a stripper whose name is Summer, whom Josh allegedly confessed his murder to and told her that Susan was in a mine. Andrew said Susan was somewhere between Idaho and Washington, but police were not able to verify any of this and found him to not be credible. Um, yeah, so, you know, Denise, who worked at, at a gas station, came forward. She says she recognized Josh's face on the news. On the night of Susan's disappearance, she said Josh came into the gas station with two young boys and a woman whose eyes were red as if she were crying. Um, you know, and they bought a few items and told her they were going camping. It was 1230 in the morning. So, of course, this kind of sticks out to her because you got two young kids and it's 12 o'clock at night. And it's before and, a snowstorm. Right. And you're going camping and your wife looks like she's been crying for hours, probably. So, you know, the silver van they came in was parked at a pump. But by this time, the video surveillance was long taped over. Um, and one of the boys also had drawn a picture of them camping with, quote unquote, mommy in the trunk. So Steve was released from prison in July of 2017, but he had a heart attack the next year in 2018 that resulted in his death. He was 68 years old. Good fucking riddance, Steve. Susan, I know, Susan Cox Powell is still considered a missing person. She has never been found and nobody has ever confessed to anything. And, you know, now Josh and Steve are gone and Michael's gone. If, I don't think Alina would know something. She just seems stupid and like a follower, honestly. Brainwashed, that's what she was. Yeah. So we still don't know what happened to Susan. So that's the entire case of the Powell family. But I do want to just talk about a couple of things. So what's interesting to me, and I don't know that Denise had any, you know, I don't know that what she's saying is true. But based on what the boys had said, and they kept insisting that mommy was with them on the camping trip. And then what, you know, Denise's account says, do you think that Susan actually went with them and just didn't come back with them? It's kind of a gray area for me. Because one part of me is, yes, she did go with them. And only because why would these why why would they these kids say anything about their mom coming with them on the trip and then to go and say mommy was in the trunk? Like, right. Why would so like Josh is a piece of shit. No there's no denying that at all. He's literal garbage. There's no way you're telling me that he coached those kids. Like I, I know nobody's saying this, but like he there, where else would they get this from? Well, like, and but why would he want them to say that? Like, you would think exactly. that he would not want. Like, I think that she was there. I think she was too. Like, I don't, I don't see why he would even insinuate anything like this or talk any like this around this because, especially after you know he knew they had been interviewed by the cops and who was it? Was it Braden Charlie? One of them said something about their mom being with them or Charlie left the. 
in the area, the little shiny rock thing or something. With the crystals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, after that, like, you know, he was definitely on his P's and Q's to not say anything. And then for still, like, these kids to still sit here and say mommy was with us and she was in the trunk, she had to have been with them. Now, my thing is, where she's at, I wholeheartedly believe she is in a mind. I do, too. And they actually, they talk about... And I think it was the documentary about how there were certain mines that like had so much gas fumes that they couldn't even barely get into them. And mines are incredibly dangerous to search. So a lot of them, they can't even go but so deep into them. Right. And the only thing, though, the only thing, I know I just said evolution is in the mind. The only thing is like how... Like, if it's so dangerous for them to go into those mines with, like, the huge amount of gas and everything, if she is in, let's just say she is in one of those, and they just can't go far enough in there, how is it that Josh would have been able to go deep into those mines? So, I've actually thought about that, and this might be really ignorant, so I apologize, (laughs) but, like, I'm imagining him carrying her and just, like, putting her, because, like, some of them are like that they had on the documentary like they show certain mines and you can see that they kind of go down on an incline of like let's say like a 30 degree angle Mm -hmm. so he could like put her on the ground and like kick her that would make sense because i was just thinking about that yeah and then like light light it on fire or like anything or what he could have done and this is is just like crazy you know my mind goes to (laughs) so have you ever seen this? Um, sure. It's almost like what the the mechanics lay on when they go underneath her car. Mm-hmm. Like, what if he put her on there? He could have lit her on fire, whatever. Maybe not, whatever. And he could have kicked that. That way to ensure she went far as she could in there. That's actually a good... I mean, it, she couldn't even put her on a skateboard and just yeah. slid it out. Also, I guess we should also keep in mind that it was snowing. And snow is very, if it, I mean, it can be very slippery or very, like, sturdy depending on, you know, how cold it is and whether or not it's ice or slush. Because um, sometimes if it impacts, like, compacts, excuse me, like, you'll just, like, fall into it and then you'll get stuck in, like, a spot. But so it could have been that it was, like, watery enough that she just, like, flew down into the mine. I have no right. idea. There's right. so many possibilities. And I truly believe that she's in a mine. And I don't think that she's alive. I don't think it's possible that she's alive. And this opens up another thing for me. Like, it's so scary that these mines are literally open to anybody and everybody. Could you just just, just hear me on this? Could you imagine one day in this big fucking universe that we live in and all these geniuses figure out how the hell they could safely get to the furthest point in these mines could you imagine how many bodies they find oh my god i know i feel like i feel like we have to have the technology to put something down there or like throw something down there that can record and see if there's anything down there right you see these people like i literally watched a video like a couple weeks ago of this family time like taping their iphone to a fucking or their GoPro maybe to a rock and a long ass string and putting it down there well until the until it touched the floor like the bot the furthest furthest like deepest part of their well that they could get to and it was like definitely over a hundred feet like it was it was fucking crazy 
were there bodies down there? No. Why did they do that? Um, I don't know what it was. They just wanted to see, like, they had their kids and stuff. They just were interested to see how deep that their well went. Um, because they never used it, wasn't like a well that was be like in use. Okay. So it was pretty much dried out. So they just wanted to see how far it went. Huh. But still, like, if you can do that with a GoPro, like, how can you, like, like, I'm assuming, so, like, another ignorant thing for me to say, you know, whatever, judge me. I don't care. But, uh, fucking, all these, I know they're movies. They're not real. Whatever. But, like, you have, like, these little, like, I don't know, like, like you said, like, skateboard or something. Like, you can fucking tie a GoPro to that and push that shit in there and see how far it goes. Right. I know. Like, I, I know. know. That's where I'm at. Like, I feel like there's got to be a way, but I also have a, there's a lot of things I don't know. So, yeah. God, I just don't know. I feel like she's got to be in a mind, though. I think so. Oh, my God. And the idea that, like, the kids understood that something happened to her. <sighs> I hate this. I know. It is very tragic. It's awful. Honestly, it's awful. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this. It was a relatively short two-parter. It was just long enough that we wanted to make it into two parts. But also, just there's so much information. And we try to condense it as much as possible while still giving you all of the very important facts that are here. So I hope that that was satisfying. Yeah. um, Feels good to get it out. But it also sucks that we had to go back to our dark place. I know. I never want to talk about this again. I mean, yeah, fuck him. And Chris Watts. Yeah, anyway, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you guys need a palate cleanser, which I I do, um, you guys should check out our TikTok. Valerie posts on there. (laughs) I forgot that. (laughs) I kind of forgot that it's our... um... (laughs) I started TikTok because you convinced me, and I love it. But I kind of forgot that I'm using like our craft, stress, and crime account, and I'm just like doing things that I would do on my personal account. <laughs> so I actually don't recommend that. However, <laughs> no, no, don't do it. It's it's gold. It is gold. You have to go see it. It's really not. It's not that great. <laughs> it's worth. It's worth it. It's a palate cleanser, and then you can fucking be on TikTok for hours, and then you'll fucking forget about this case. That's what we did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm going to do after this, so. Me too, for sure. So Uh, make sure, don't worry, we haven't forgot we're going to play with the next season's on, but make sure you follow us on Instagram. You can check out all the pictures from this episode. At Crafts and and Crime. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you need a palate cleanser, go look at my Twitter. Um, Crafts and Crime. Um, if you want to, you know, keep updated with all of the newest episodes, you can follow us on Facebook. At Crafts, Dress, and Crime. If you want to have more bonus episodes every month, you can like us on Patreon, and it's a $3 donation every month. Come support us some more. I promise you'll love it. Yes. And, yeah. I think, I think that's it. Oh, write us an email. Tell us all the things. Um, about your life. <laughs> Tell us stories. <laughs> yes, perfect. Um, yeah, we are really looking forward to doing a listener's episode. It's going to come soon. It's going to come randomly. But if you want to be featured on it, send us some stories. It doesn't have to be like any sort of topic. It can be anything that's like creepy as hell or paranormal or 
you know, just like kind of funny and lighthearted, but like you thought was going to be scary. I don't know. Like, you know, just yeah. be creative. We yeah, love it. Yeah. You know, we, we got stories for days. We might add a couple of ours in there, but you, you know, just talk to us. <laughs> yeah. We'll have like a host stories episode. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, and then we'll do a listener stories. Um, be kind people and, uh, go rate and review us. If you have Apple podcasts, please. And thank you. We're yes. greatly, we would greatly appreciate that. I don't know how that works on other devices or other <laughs> like <laughs> systems. So just if you have Apple, please. And also let's tell you what season five is going to be on. Dun, dun, dun. It is going to be on scary places. Now, I know that that kind of seems kind of vague, but it's going to include, you know, maybe a place where multiple people have died or perhaps a place that several people have disappeared from. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a very interesting season. We're going to take a little bit of a turn, get away from the family murders because, oh my gosh, we need it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So stay tuned for that. The next episode will be out on our normal schedule. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Bye. Bye.